Welcome to Her Sacred Sexuality Podcast, the show that celebrates our God-given sexuality for women who want to unlock their feminine power. We're your hosts, Karen Welton and Bethany Phillips, two friends passionate about liberating women from the shackles of shame and condemnation to uplevel every area of our lives through pleasure and play. Join us in our slumber party style conversations as we discuss taboo topics such as sex, kink, and relationships for women of faith who desire more. Discover how good sex can be and the limitless possibilities when we embrace our sacred sexuality. Welcome back, girlfriends. We are your hosts, Karen and Bethany, and today we are talking about low libido and all the things that could potentially contribute to this. So this is going to be a discussion about low libido or low sex drive in both men and women and what that could look like, how that might show up in your relationship or in your life and what some of the underlying causes could be. And I think very often we overlook some of the emotional, spiritual, even physiological things that could be contributing to a low sex drive. And it can cause a lot of shame and frustration in relationships. You might be in a relationship where you, where you feel like your partner is not pursuing you or does not have a sexual drive, or you might yourself feel like, well, I just have a low sex drive. This is the way I am. And this is such an important topic to talk about because once we figure out these underlying dynamics that happen in relationships and that could contribute to a low sex drive, then we can have fun. Then we can play. We can get into all the kinks and the juicy, sexy stuff. But if we try to deal with that other stuff without looking at the roots of what's going on in our hearts and in our connection to our partners, it's not going to last. So this Mm -hmm. is such an important conversation. I'm so excited to have it with you guys. Yes, we're so stoked about this because it's getting down to the those foundational issues that lead actually lead us to the most enlightened kind of sex life that we all want to have. And Karen and I have been discussing this topic and it's been you know expansive because we recognize there's so many perspectives with a low libido and we're going to get through them. We're going to talk about them. Some might be longer than others, but um, we hope in that at the end of this episode, you guys feel seen, you feel a sense of hope that you can lead the conversation, the podcast thinking, okay, I have tools of how I can talk to my partner, questions I can ask, questions they can ask me to kind of get down to the nitty gritty of why you might have a low libido. Yes. So make sure you watch until the end because we are going to give you very practical tools in order to reconnect with your partner and ignite a thriving sex life. I love that. Yes. So let's start with just some like basic understandings of how men and women experience sex or becoming horny or wanting to be intimate. There's two different types. There's spontaneous and there's responsive. And I think this is really helpful to understand because it'll help kind of dive into deeper what, A, is it actually a low libido or do me and my spouse actually experience a turn on or being turned on or wanting to have sex in a different way? 
So I'm going to address spontaneous first. Spontaneous is what like a lot of men tend to experience. I'm not cutting out the women in this at all, but it tends to be more common in men and things that we tend to see more on like movies or TV shows where it's that like, I am so hot and so horny and I want to have sex with you right now. And they take all their clothes off and they do it. And you're like, oh, okay. Is that what it's supposed to look like? Which (laughs) comes to the other side of the responsive sex. Have you guys ever, I mean, I know I have, but have you ever ended up having sex, maybe reluctantly, but you had sex and by the end of it, you were like that? was awesome I had the best orgasm that felt so good oh my gosh like why don't we do this more often that is a responsive sex drive that is the part of us where we're like oh that kind of starts the engine whereas on the spontaneous side of things the engine is started by the thought of having sex the responsive side is the engine starts after you have sex and you're like damn that was good like I want to keep this engine running yeah does that make sense yeah it totally does and you're right because I think men are more of those visual sexual beings and so they'll see something attractive or they'll think of something in their imagination that's that's hot or you know they say like men think of sex something like I don't, it's some ridiculous number, like 300,000 or what? I don't even know, hundreds of times a day. And you're like, how does that even compute? That's like every five seconds. But yeah. And, and then you ask them, they're like, yeah, of course, that's true. <laughs> and we most, for the most cases, like have no awareness that men are thinking about sex this many times a day. Because yeah. for women, we tend to be more responsive. And unless we're yeah. like, make it out with our partner, we're generally not thinking about sex. I mean, right. of course, like, we might see a hot guy, but that doesn't like, make us want to go run into the bedroom, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course, like women can have spontaneous sex drives and men can have responsive sex drives. But generally, like, they tend to be more men tend to be more spontaneous in terms of like, that passion sort of building or being ignited by by a thought or by a visual stimulant and yeah. women are more responsive to the actual act of sex and to, or to touch and tenderness and care. And that brings us to sort of another differential between men and women. And that is that for women, we need to feel emotionally safe and cared for and caressed in order for that arousal to happen. So we actually, in order for us to have sex and have good sex, we need to feel emotionally connected. For men, the act of sex makes them feel emotionally connected. Yeah. And so they feel the connection and the love after the act. Women feel the connection and the love in order to have the act, to do, to, to do the act of sex. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and so, so that's why there's, there can often feel so much frustration because how men approach sex and how women approach sex are completely different. Like we mm-hmm. want all the lovey, touchy, foreplay, feely, like give me, you know, like the saying, like sex begins in the kitchen. Yeah. For women, that is true. Like I want you doing the dishes and like taking care of the kids and like 
show me that you love me through, you know, words of affirmation or acts of service and, you know, you know, helping, showing love in whatever your love language is, maybe it's physical touch, you know, quality time, all of those things. And men are like, they just want to fuck. And then they feel loved. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you might have, and I, and if you haven't thought about this, ladies, pay attention to your response, the response of your man after you have sex. Mm -hmm. That is when they get the hit of oxytocin and they feel fulfilled. They feel connected. They feel that love. And they're like, and then they go right to sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. <them> up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I actually just had this conversation with my husband yesterday. He was like, every time we have sex, I feel so connected with you. Like, I feel like yeah. it sets us up. And for a couple of days, at least like over a week, we're just so on the same page and we're vibing. And like, he'll, he'll tell me, he'll say, I don't want to clean for your connection. I want to clean from connection because <laughs> I'm like acts of service like that is one of my top love languages because he'll he will literally like as soon as I ask him to do something he's like wants to make out and wants to like get handsy and horny and I'm like yes I am not there like, you're like no I need you to clean yes. so that you I can feel connected to you and then yes. we have sex and he's like yes. no 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 Opposite. I'm going to have sex and then I'm motivated to <laughs> yes. clean. <laughs> yes. yes. So yes. you just have to like time it. So like every, every two or three days you're having sex and then you both get your needs met. Yes, basically. <laughs> and that honestly, that brings such a clarity to knowing the benefits of that, which is a cons- having consistency <laughs> within our sex life really affects our libido. Because yeah. if you, if we're on two opposite sides of the spectrum, we're going to be experienced. It could be either a really unhealthy cycle or it can be a really healthy cycle. Yeah. And someone, something I, someone told me this week was they said the clit, the clitoris is the only organ that is designed only for pleasure. If you mm. think about it, all yeah. the other sexual organs have other purposes, right? Like breasts can produce milk and feed children and penises pee. And there's all the other things Mm -hmm. that those organs do, but the clitoris is the only sexual organ that is designed solely for pleasure. And if we don't stimulate it, if it's not active and used, it will lose sensitivity. It will lose touch. It will lose, like if you don't work a muscle, it atrophies. Mm -hmm. And there is like a biological spiritual benefit to having consistency and having regular pleasure in your life. Like that is what it's there for. And it's not meant to like go dormant for months, years or whatnot on end. Like we, we don't want to go numb to that. And so I, I just think that that was, that's so true that, that the benefits of having that regular sex life, I think make men and women both feel more secure and connected in that, in a relationship. Yes. And I just want to say too, we're talking to singles as well. So just a reminder that your body operates the same way married or not. So this information is for you too. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to our masturbation and self-pleasure part one and part two to know our thoughts all about that. But this is for you as well. Like low libido needs to be recognized and you need to, you should 
have a response to it, whether you're married or not. I just wanted to state that just a little asterisk note. And if you're not having sex or stimulating yourself on a regular basis, you it, it's easy to like go kind of numb and disc feel disconnected almost from your own body. Mm-hmm. And there were times in my marriage when we were not doing well. And it was like a very, not a, not a good, we were not in a good relationship. If you go back and listen to my story, you'll, you'll get the full story there for the reasons why, but it was a very toxic relationship uh, and dysfunctional relationship for many, many years. And there were times that were where we wouldn't have sex actually for like the majority of our marriage, we just wouldn't have sex for, I would say like maybe once a month was like an average yeah, ish, maybe it would be two months. There was a time when we went like almost a year after having my daughter. And during that time, my sex drive just went way down because I didn't feel pursued. I didn't feel stimulated. I didn't have that excitement. And it really is true. Like if you don't stimulate it and you don't have sex, the drive does diminish. But once you start revving that engine again, just like Bethany said, like it makes you want to do it again. And then you feel that connection. You feel that love. You feel that excitement. It like ignites something inside of you to do it again. So if you're a woman who is, who feels like you're in a loveless marriage or a sexless marriage, I feel you girl. I just (laughs) want you to know (laughs) you, you can recover from that. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your sexuality. There's nothing wrong with your libido or your physical biology. You just need the rev. You need to rev that engine again. And if your husband's not available, emotionally available for you to connect to in a safe way right now, start revving it yourself. You might even find some of that desire for your partner start to come back and bubble up to the surface when you start taking care of you. And I know people might have, might be triggered by that. You, they might be thinking like, how could you tell women to, you know, touch themselves or masturbate and not have sex? I'm like, well, right. if you're already not doing either, how's that working for you? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's try something to get, get the engine moving. You might just need a little spark. You might just yeah. need a little something to remember yes. that sensation of pleasure in your body and awaken it. We need to be awakened. Sometimes our body needs to be awakened and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I totally agree. Self-pleasure can change the dynamic and the energy within the marriage as well, because if you are, if we're married and we are one in flesh, like your husband will feel that pull Mm. of like that sensuality, that sexuality being tapped into. And he's going to be like, what's happening? You're hot. I I want you. Well, I think what it does is it ignites, it activates your feminine energy, Yes, which is, which acts as a magnet to the masculine. So you turn on your magnet and you begin to attract your husband's, your partner's, your, that masculine attraction is attracted to the feminine. And when you ignite that, it's like, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I do want to say though, that I think this can be also done in a way that makes you more isolated and disconnected. Like Mm. if you're using masturbation to avoid sex with your partner, it can be easy to just do it like and hide it and do it kind of on the DL and make sure they don't see it. And if your goal with that, I think your heart really makes a difference there. You can do it and it can lead to more disconnection if you're not connecting to your partner. So yes. And we don't want to utilize masturbation as a weapon, like as a way of like receiving pleasure on our own and 
using that against our spouse to get something or to manipulate. So these are just like basic things we want to cover in order to move on with the conversation. So, you know, kind of like where we're getting to, because this is like I said from the beginning, there's a a broad spectrum of where low libido can happen or come from. So for men, low libido can be caused by lots of different factors. And it's important to understand all these factors and not just focus hyper fixate on like one thing, but to really kind of explore what the different things could be for men. It could, it could be lack of sleep, not enough sleep, lots of stress, cortisol in their life, not eating properly, food can impact it. Low testosterone can definitely impact libido for men and um, shame and fear can also Mm. impact that. And really like one of the big ones is those emotional triggers when they are going through turmoil and emotions like shame, fear, anger, pain, any just kind of pain. Men aren't often taught how to deal with their pain and how to release it in healthy ways. And so what happens very often in our society is that they learn to bury it and suppress it. And when that pain is buried and suppressed and compressed for years after years after years, it often shows up in their life as like in many different ways, but one of them can be low libido. And so my husband said that this is actually probably the main reason that Mm. men have a low sex drive. Mm. And I totally agree. And because in our relationship, at least for years, I was trying to figure out why he had no desire to have sex. And when we'd have the conversation, he would just point the finger back at me and say, well, why would I want to have sex with you? You're controlling, you're nagging, you're this horrible person to be married to. Like I said, guys, we had a very toxic relationship. Wow. So you can yeah. listen to our story. But we would get in these arguments about it because I would poke it at it and I would bring it up and I would have these discussions and I would confront it because I wanted to. And I didn't even feel necessarily safe, emotionally safe in this relationship, but I knew like we should be having sex. It was Mm. almost like, like what's wrong with us that we aren't that what's wrong with you that you don't want to, you're a guy, you're supposed to want to have sex 50 times a day. Why are we not having sex (laughs) at all? I was sold on something else in this whole marriage thing. Like, (laughs) yeah, this was was not what I signed up for here. So for me, it was just honestly confusing because Mm. there were no books written about like, what do you do when the husband doesn't want to have sex and the the wife does? And so I thought, well, maybe it's because it's a medical reason. Maybe he has low testosterone. Maybe it's, you know, some kind of medical condition. Maybe it's... Mm. I I couldn't find an answer. And really the answers he eventually found for himself were the emotional triggers and traumas and pain that he was holding on in his heart that kept him shut down and disconnected that made him too scared to connect emotionally and intimately with me. And then he would go out and get his needs met in other ways. Mm. So he would connect with other women emotionally. He would watch porn on a regular basis. Men still have their needs. Men still have their physical, biological needs. And if they're not pursuing you or they have no interest in sex, there's other stuff going on. It's probably not. I mean, it could, can be a medical condition. It can be low testosterone, but Mm. I would say far more often than not, it's emotional baggage. It's emotional turmoil going on in their hearts and they don't know how to express it. They don't have the tools to deal with it. They don't have the understanding of how to release it in a healthy way and how to emotionally open up and connect 
with you, their partner. They probably really want to, but they just don't know how. And so they feel like they have to deal with all all on their own. And when they feel trapped like that and isolated and angry and all, and and it comes out in really toxic, ugly ways, Mm -hmm. they might be pointing the finger at you, telling you how horrible of a wife you are and all the things you don't do for them. It can create a lot of pain on both sides. Yeah. And so sometimes this, this is a really deep topic to, that we have to talk about and get to the root of. And it might be hard if your partner is not willing to go there. But I just want you to know, like, if they're suppressing this stuff, and they've got emotional baggage, and there's conflict in your relationship, it's going to cause a disconnect. And it yeah. might show it might look like low libido, but really, it's a disconnect of your heart. It's a yeah. disconnect and a, and a discord, like you're not you're not emotionally connected. So of course, you're not going to be sexually connected. Mm. And there might be like conversations about like, oh, this low libido, but really, when you are able to connect heart to heart in intimacy, that's where that's where a good sex life begins. Yeah. And until that connection happens, and there's like, and we can clear out the resentment and the pain and the bitterness that's in a relationship, you're not going to have a hot sex life. And maybe you can for like a a temporary amount of time, there might be ways that you connect, but really we have to address the emotional baggage and triggers and the, the roots of resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and all of the things on both sides that will allow you to make a powerful, like beautiful, intimate sexual connection. So oftentimes low libido can be disguised. It can, it can look like low libido, but really it's, emotional constipation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a great way to put it. I do want to like talk a little bit more specifically about like the masturbation of the, like the porn specifically, especially uh, within men. If you listen to my story in the second episode, you heard that I had a porn addiction. Well, so did my husband. My husband's porn addiction started when he was 14 and watched so much porn. I'm sure like a lot of men (laughs) at that age did, or if they were exposed to it and that continued into our marriage, it was something that really disconnected us. The worst year of our marriage where there was infidelity, there was so much happening within that year. We had both just separated. And I remember one day even going into our guest room and finding like a pile of tissues and a condom. I had like realized what had happened. I was like, oh, he came to nap in here and just watched porn. And we were so disconnected. We were just not in sync with one another at all, because a lot of the times what ends up happening is When men feel rejection, that leads, if we say no, you know, to the bid of sex over and over and over and over and over again, they're like, well, I've been hurt enough times. I'm going to go somewhere else when in turn, we're not getting our needs met in other ways. So the sex is a lot harder for us to get into. So it's kind of this question between like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know, mm-hmm. like, are you mm-hmm. going to make the first move or, or am I going to make the first move? And like Karen said, like a lot of the times low libido can be disguised by so many things. And for men, a lot of it tends to be with shame, fear, 
rejection. I mean, a a fear of rejection, you know, Mm -hmm, coming mm -hmm. from their part and their side of things. And it is, it is an absolute distraction from the pain that they're actually feeling. And it's their response rather than the reconciliation that needs to happen. So their response is, Hey, I'm just going to get it in the easiest place. I know how, instead of the reconciliation between me and my wife, why is my wife saying no so often? What is her libido low? Does she have needs that I'm not meeting and coming to a resolution of those two things? Because the thing with porn, porn will only become more addictive. The more you watch it because porn releases dopamine, which is addictive and sex actually releases oxytocin, which is the connection. It It releases like happiness, joy, and that is actually changing our neurological pathways to form deeper emotional connection, deeper physical connection, deeper soul connections with our spouse. And that is, I mean, both are powerful. Addictions Mm -hmm. are powerful, but I think what ends up happening within sex when it's treated in the way it's meant to be treated, we get something way more potent. And it does something within your marriage that you could only wish you could have when, when you're single, like that's the kind of thing that people are going for when they're single. It's like, that's what I want. Yeah. And I, I just like, think that's incredible. Like that Mm -hmm. fact alone, like you're doing this, like biologically, your body is doing the same thing in a sense. Like it's yes. Having an orgasm, it's releasing, it's building, it's climaxing, but the hormonal response in your body is different if you're doing it alone or if you're doing it with someone else. Isn't that amazing? Like, I just think that's incredible. Porn release dopamine. It creates the high. It creates the addictive high. But sex, sexual intercourse releases oxytocin and that's the human connection bonding hormone. And that creates so much love, so much joy. That's what you get. Like, at right after a baby is born, women will receive a huge surge of oxytocin, oxytocin yeah. in order to bond with their baby. That's like mm. the greatest high you could ever get. But we have the same drug released in our bodies during intercourse. And it's there's a purpose for it. Like God created us to do this together. He didn't create us to go masturbate alone for the rest right. of our lives. Like right. he created men and women to be together. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for women to be alone either. We are designed to be together. And that oxytocin is what creates that bond, that human connection that I think is essential to life and happiness because dopamine, you're always going to want more. It's never, it never fully satisfies you. But oxytocin is the feeling of like, I am fulfilled. I am, I feel so warm and at home and like, it's just like the greatest feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and you can only get that with a connection to another human being, whether that's a newborn yeah. baby or your partner, you know, or, or if you hug someone, you get a release of oxytocin to like a small dose of it, just from hugging someone for more than 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. How much more are we getting in our bodies when we have sex and orgasm? Like yeah. the design is so good. It's so pleasurable it's so fantastic we should be wanting this we should be like head over heels in love with getting these Mm -hmm. oxytocin hits and bonding and connecting with our partner but what gets in the way is all these distractions conflict Mm -hmm. emotional issues and it really piles up and when there's disconnection in your marriage and you're not connecting men tend to 
go to porn men or women can go to porn but i think more specifically if men are if you're not connecting in your marriage or in your relationship your men are going to get their needs met one way or the other and yes. more often than not they're going to be watching porn or mm-hmm. having affairs if you're not being intimate and connecting on a regular basis yeah yeah and that's, that's a hard so pill true. to swallow that's a hard yeah. pill to swallow for many women but i'm telling you from experience it was true. And I had a blind eye to it for many, many years until it all blew up in my face. And I realized, oh, mm. he didn't just have low libido. He didn't just have a low sex drive. He was just getting his needs met outside the marriage. Yeah. And that's mm. the reality that even if they're dealing with medical things, low testosterone, emotional triggers, they still have biological needs. They're going to get their needs met one way or the other. And porn does it in isolation. Yeah. It's addictive and it, it's not fulfilling and but it's also easy mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to do the emotional work to connect yeah. with your wife your or your spouse if, if you know yeah. if, if it's the woman that's shut down it's a lot harder to yeah. do all of that emotional work to connect and warm her up and take her on a date and like it's emotionally exhausting, especially if men have emotional wounds and shame and anger inside that's mm-hmm. preventing them from opening their heart to connect. Yeah. But no, it, ladies, they're going to still find a way to get those needs met. Yes. Uh, from the very like basic biological need of like jacking off of like coming like mm-hmm. that's they're looking for the finish, like the finish line quickly. And it's actually creating more isolation, more disconnection between them and you or you and your spouse, whoever, um, because that's what it is. It's like porn is fully isolated and porn is always connected to shame because it's like, there's kinks, there's crazy things on the internet now that you can find. But something that I was just thinking about was the new kind of version of porn has been OnlyFans Mm -hmm. and I've, I've never like been on it, but all I know about it is that there's more connection to it than just watching somebody get off. You can like message them. You can like interact with the person and it almost like just barely scratches the itch of that connection that would be needed or desired, but you're like paying a price, literally, like you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, because there is so much shame within the relationship. I don't feel safe opening up. So when we like, when you get down and sift through all the bullshit and get to the nitty gritty, yeah. it really does come to emotional pain. A lot of it, a lot of it does. I'm not going to say yeah. all of it, but I would say the majority of it comes from a place that is so wounded and so broken that they don't even feel safe within themselves to speak up for themselves. Yeah. And another issue we see often is erectile dysfunction. This is often rooted in shame for men and a pressure to perform. Men have a massive amount of pressure on them. Mm -hmm. And When that pressure shows up in their sexuality or there's shame and trauma in their sexual past, they bring that with them into the relationships. And that emotional trigger can show up as erectile dysfunction in a marriage. Mm. So it might be diagnosed. It might, you might have, they might get medication from a doctor there. They might get the label, but really when you get down to the root of even 
those kinds of conditions, very often they're rooted in emotional triggers as well, like shame or sexual trauma or sexual abuse or the pressure to perform. Because for men, there is this heavy pressure to perform Mm. and be a good lover and like all of these, you know, stereotypes that they're trying to live up to. And even the porn that they see with men who have like huge penises and women who are like 10 out of 10s, like it creates this fake world. It creates these expectations that are so not based on any reality. And then they show up into marriage with like all of these insecurities and expectations on us to like be hot and turned on all the time and want to, you know, have oral sex and all of this, like almost movie set, like sex, that's not reality. And so the, when reality hits and it's like, oh, I have to do all of this stuff just to mm-hmm. turn my wife on and I'm insecure because I don't look like you know those guys or I don't perform like those guys and mm-hmm. there's no wonder we have so many sexual like issues in our generation because we grew yeah. up watching porn and the model was fake it was made yes. up it was made up for arousal for yes. like not the purpose of emotional intimacy and connection in a committed relationship yeah, I just <laughs> want to say something to that real quick because I I have like a perfect example of something that had happened. So during like this time that I was telling you about, Johnny, when we kind of came to a, a point of like, okay, we're going to start healing this. I had made commitments to like not say no, not reject Johnny when he bid for sex. And my other thing was that I would at least have sex once a week with him. That was like my guidelines. I was like, this is what I want because we were only, we had sex a total of like 10 times the year before. And when we started doing this the first week, it was like, he was shocked. He was like, what's happening? Like you're coming on to me because he had stopped completely coming on to me. And then the second week happened, he was like, okay, this is cool. Then the third week happened and he's like, this is fucking awesome. Like getting (laughs) more and more excited. And I remember probably by like maybe the fifth or sixth week we were, I was like getting into bed and he like confessed to me. He was like, I had watched so much porn that I wasn't that attracted to you anymore. Like you weren't doing it for me anymore. And he was like, I feel like I'm actually getting that back. Like I'm being turned on by you, it makes them like ice. And so when we open ourselves up, we like start to melt them, you know, we we create like the warm point. Yes. It's it's, because like emotional, like a physical attraction is not physical. It's not just physical. Like, yes, obviously we have our likes and dislikes, but physical attraction is so much more about energetics Mm. and in desire. And the women in porn are always turned on and they always Mm. want you and they just will do anything for you. But that's not always real life. Like your wife doesn't always want you, but (laughs) that just shows me like what men truly need and desire is a woman who desires them is a woman who is warm, not cold. Yes. And when you started getting warm and started pursuing him and you started showing desire for him, he was like, oh, that's hot because that's what's attractive to a man. It's not just that you have big tits and a nice butt or, you know, whatever. 
Yeah. It's, it's that you desire him. And that actually, and isn't that true for women too? Like when we feel that desire, it ignites something inside of us. Yeah. You are actually being turned on. Like the turn on is effectively happening. I think we've, you know, really placed the ball in the man's court of the pursuing of being the the pursuer and that we're just supposed to be ravished. Don't get me wrong. We want that. Like, (laughs) yes, please, please. And thank you. I really appreciate it. But also for those women who have that mentality that they can never like make the first move or be the one to ignite the flame, you have been poorly misled. Like (laughs) that was, that was totally me for many years. Yep. Which is so sad because it's like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a prisoner to your husband's inner world. Yeah. And if he doesn't want it, then we just never have it. Right. But for me, I felt so rejected for so Mm. many years. And I also played the victim. I was like, well, Mm. he doesn't want me. I've tried all these things. I don't know what to do. And so when I would show up, if I did try to initiate sex, it would be like, we haven't had sex in two weeks and I was already bitter about it. Like, that's not hot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. the worst turnout ever. <laughs> oh like you're my coming gosh. at it from like, hey, you're doing it, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's I, very um accusing. It's yeah coming from yes. an accusing place and like, where are you? What are you doing? Instead yeah. of like welcoming, like right. Hey. Yeah, there was no there's no magnetism, there's no enticing, right. there was no like let me pleasure you. It was all like me, me, me. I'm the victim. You never want to have sex with me. And then of course he's like, Well, of course I don't want to have sex with you. So it would just like drive the wedge further and further yeah. apart. And yeah. he we both had behaviors, and I would I would, you know, I would see it as like, well, you're there's something wrong with you. You don't want to have sex with me. And of course I'm not. I'm not attractive or warm to him. So there was this, like, there was this chasm he had to jump over. If he did pursue, if he did try to pursue, it was like he had to jump through hoops to get past all of the failure and Mm. the accusations and the letdown that he had caused by not pursuing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So being an open heart and being warm and receptive and even pursuing and putting out those feelers, even if it's just in little ways, like, Hey, let's get together tonight. Like I want to, I want to hang out with you tonight. I want to let's cuddle, let's have sex, whatever feels yeah. right. Take those. Let's even, make like, out. Let's make. Yeah. Like Netflix yeah. and chill. Yeah. <laughs> so like take those, like, let this be a challenge. If you're in that boat and you're disappointed by your sex life, it's so easy to go down that like disappointment, like never ending mm. spiral you know, shake things up and take, make the first move. Yes, And you might get rejected. You might start a fight. You might trigger him. It might end up a total shit show. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. But at least you're getting something and you're starting somewhere because if the worst place you can start is enlightenment and sometimes enlightenment is painful because it's truth. Because it exposes ugly things we don't want to look at. Exactly. And and that might be dysfunction and emotional triggers and baggage in your husband. It might be that you have to disown the victim mentality in yourself. Yeah. Speaking of the ladies here, Mm -hmm. and maybe you need to take on a little ownership too and say, Hey, I have a role to play. I have a part to play in our sexual intimacy. And it's not just all on him. 
Right. I would like to take accountability right now for something that happened just yesterday. Like, and I think it's important that you guys hear that the reality of like Karen and I, we're not perfect people and we'll probably repeat that over and over. But yesterday, Johnny and I um, got into like a little bit of a tiff because the night before he had wanted to have sex and we were cleaning our Airbnb and I was there first and he came in guns blazing, like, let's have sex in the Airbnb. Let's have some hot sex. And I'm like, no, I was like, I am, I am here to like get shit done. I want to be done with it. Like, you know, I don't want to have to think about this. And so he was like, like by the time I was finished with my stuff and he was still finishing his stuff, he was like, babe, I want to have some hot sex. And I was like, cool, let's have hot sex at our house in our bed, you know? And he was like, are you for real? And I'm like, yeah, like, let's do it. And then I came in to the front and I walk in and like, it's just trashed. Like our dishes are piled high. I mean, so high living room, a mess, everything. And when things are messy like that, for me, I shut down, like my anxiety takes over and I'm like, I can't even do this alone. Like I have to have a partner in with this. So I texted him and I said, hot sex can't happen until like our space is cleaned up. And essentially what I did was I created the line in the sand. I said, you don't get me. You don't get connection and sex until these things are done. And for him, he was like, okay, screw you. So he stayed over there for like two hours. He didn't even respond to me. And it wasn't until yes, like the next day. So yesterday that we ended up like getting to that point. And I was upset. Like the whole, like, I was like, what's your deal? Like I needed your help and you just wanted to have sex and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you're just not taking accountability for your part of it. And I was like, I stepped back for a second. I was like, okay, I can absolutely take accountability for putting the barrier up of like, we cannot have sex until X, Y, and Z happens. And at that point, then you get connection. And it's, it created disconnection between Johnny and I, he had at that point, if he was upset, he had a responsibility to come and say, I'm upset. Like, I didn't like how you said that. Like, Hey, I want to connect with you. I will help clean this house with you tomorrow. But right now I'm looking for a physical connection. And it was an opportunity for both of us to either say, Hey, I can put this, you know, physical task aside to connect with my husband or, Hey, I can understand her frustration, but I want that physical connection with her. So I'm going to make sure she knows that I'm going to take care of her heart and her needs at some point, you know, but even going into like women can push men away by being controlling, nagging, frigid in their head, preoccupied, like with kids or tasks or whatever that that's what had happened to me. And so there's like a a pull away that ends up happening. I wasn't attracting in that moment. I was pushing away because I was putting other things in the way of my husband and I's connection. And that can actually affect our libido, whether we want to 
believe it or not, like, you know, the the dishes can affect your libido. The dishes (laughs) can affect your libido. (laughs) I will quote that. (laughs) That is truth right there. Get it tattooed. Yes. It's Uh true though. Like women have those things that are like just an immediate turnoff. Like for me, it's not the dishes. It's like, if it's too hot or too cold, especially too cold, I'm, I'm cold. Mm. There's nothing happening right now. And I'm like under the blankets. And then he's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I can't, like, (laughs) I can't touch you. (laughs) I can't touch you. I can't see you. Like, how am I going to have sex? I'm like under the blankets. He's like, no. (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm freezing. So nothing's happening. Like if I'm like, (laughs) yeah, turn the heat up, you know, like, of course he's like sweating and I'm freezing and there's just like no happy medium. (laughs) So we just work through it. Or I've even noticed like if he turns on music and it's like a song that just rubs me the wrong way, I instantly shut down. Mm. Like I'm very sensory apparently. And wow, the the environment, like the cold, whether it's hot or cold and like the music, I have to feel like comfortable. And if I don't, it's like my brain gets stuck on it or my body is just like, I'm Mm -hmm. not feeling like all sexual and free and let me just ravish you. It's more like, let me wrap myself in this warm, fuzzy blanket. If you want to come in here and get it. Okay. But I'm I'm just going to stay in here. And And that's not, yeah. I think that's such a good thing to actually acknowledge within ourselves, especially for women is that we have a lot more like pre-sex needs in order to like fully be open to enjoy the sex fully like we want to and so even like in this moment if you're taking mental notes or even physical notes like maybe write those things down maybe it looks like hey I know you want to have sex tonight I know you're a spontaneous lover and I'm no I know you're in the mood can we make sure that like the temperature in our house is a little bit warmer or like you know, we have a new set of sheets on the bed or like our living space is decluttered. So I can like fully engage. That can be something that you end up communicating with your partner that actually helps them help you. And you can also set yourself up that if you know your husband's in the mood, you can say like, great, I can't wait to have sex with you tonight or in the next hour or whatever. Or mentally say, okay, these are things that I need, but can we address them at some point? Like really kind of creating the the best environment for your libido to actually thrive instead of just survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being honest about your needs is super important and making sure your husband knows like, this isn't because I'm rejecting you. I just, I need this. Yes. <laughs> and it's just for sure. It has triggered so many fights. Like he, so many. he would get so upset. Like this is so ridiculous. Like, who cares? Like, you yank yes. like it's up, you know? And I will also say on to play devil's advocate, like sometimes women, we just need to get over it. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I just need to be cold because after five, 10 minutes of foreplay, I'm hot. Yes. But I have to right. get over the mental hurdle of being cold in order to feel turned on. And maybe yeah. you have to get over the dishes. And sometimes we just need to get over it. And allow ourselves to warm up and yeah. not get fixated on something that that is important to us but really in the grand scheme of things like what's more important having 
a beautiful connection with your spouse or the fact that your feet are cold or there's dishes in the sink. Like sometimes we just need to get the fuck over it. (laughs) And honestly, like think about it. Men have to jump through so many hurdles. I actually have empathy for this because we are so particular. We Mm. need the dishes in order and the heat at 98.6 degrees (laughs) or, you know, we need the curtains totally closed. The kids have to be quiet. The the music to this song, but not that. So like, and then you have to do you know 20 minutes of foreplay or like caress us and touch us in this way and say this yeah. way, don't say that like there is a shit ton of to-do list stuff that men oh have gosh, to do yeah. to get us warmed up and if men didn't have an insanely strong non-stop sex drive the human species would never procreate and we yeah. would never have sex and <laughs> attraction to their wife like that sex drive is there for a reason and the reason yes. it's so strong is because we have all of these things that have to be met because otherwise they would honestly just be like well fuck it that's too much work I'm just gonna go jerk off right like yeah and they do unfortunately that's what happens a lot of times that's why you have disconnected marriages and bad sex life yeah but I just I actually appreciate that their sex their desire for sex is so strong even though it might feel so like frustrating at times yeah, that if it weren't, the spe- human species would die off and we would just never yeah. have sex. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, even if like as a woman and a wife, if we think about it, it's like, I'm so grateful that my husband pursues me and that he wants me and that like he desires me because if it was the opposite, it would create more shame and more like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't he want me? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not? you know, X, Y, and Z enough. Like, and honestly, like men don't even care about that. Like we obsess over our looks and they're like, like, I don't, you're, I don't care. Like bend over, let's do it. (laughs) I could literally braid my bush right now and he (laughs) wouldn't give a shit. (laughs) Shit's for Bethany right here. (laughs) The best thing we've, you've said this entire podcast. Uh, it's true though. Like I it's can so be, true. I can be like I haven't showered in five days. I yeah. mean, well, maybe at that point it gets a little yucky, but but yeah, it's true. Like I could I could feel like like we just got back from vacation, all-inclusive resort in the Dominican Republic. I gained like five pounds and I'm already like starting off, I'm already like 10 pounds heavier than what I would like to be. So I'm feeling like bloated and like my right. jeans aren't fitting and all the stuff <laughs> and he's like they don't care they do not even notice they're like no. you look great babe let's go yes <laughs> yeah and I'm just like we overanalyze that, that stuff so much so much oh my matter. gosh it doesn't it's like out the window I mean I I'm actually like probably horniest when I'm on my period oddly enough and he That's like unusual I know I know it is and I like you can't get it because if you if somebody tells you you can't have something I bet you prove them wrong yeah maybe (laughs) your body's like no you can't have sex you're like well I want to now well I want to yeah but he doesn't care he like he'll he'll like do anything during in the middle of your period oh yeah it's great lube think about it no, it's not. Blood is it's the, the worst lube. It's not just blood, though. There's like more mucusy stuff in there, too. I mean, yeah, there's some. I guess it depends on where in your period you're doing it. Cause yeah, 
I'm I have questions about <laughs> that's messy. <laughs> Just put a towel down. Can be clean. No, my husband is the opposite. He's like, how like are you on your period? And then it'll be like three more days. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you it's over. Like maybe a spot. <laughs> if there's like a drop, he's like, it's okay. <laughs> like he wants, he wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. So different. Yeah, so different. But that's that's the beauty of this podcast. Yep. Tell us, DM us on Instagram. Does your husband do it when you have your period? Or are they like, oh, yeah. No way. Let's do like a a poll. We should let's take a poll. poll. I'll do two polls. One, do you like having sex on your period? And two, does your husband like having sex on your period? I feel like we need to define though what that means because like heavy flow day. I feel like it's a no-go. I don't like, or are you saying that's a go for you? That's a go for me. Oh my gosh. Are you, are you serious? I am dead serious. I can't I'm even like, imagine what that would be like. So uncomfortable. Why? Well, I, I should also say I don't cramp a lot. Like I don't. Um, I mean, I don't either, but still, I can't imagine doing it with all that blood in there, but it's not okay. It is not as bloody as you think it is. Like, it's true. I read something that said like it's only like on average two tablespoons for a period that you of blood that you lose. Yeah. Well, we're a little off topic, but that's interesting I know. to me. You know, this is a like a good tangent that we're going on because talking about libido and our cycle mm-hmm. and knowing your An cycle as a topic. woman. Ooh, boy, that is once, once you're like fully aware of the four different cycles you go through every month and when you go through it and you start following it and recognizing, oh, this is a time where I'm like really turned on, or Mm -hmm. this is a time where I'm not really interested at all, or like the least, the time that I'm least interested the week before my period, I want Mm. no sex whatsoever. Um, and that's what I'm like most bloated and, but you know, feeling yeah. gross and everything. That's like when we're so, entering into the winter and hibernate, yes. hibernation and all yeah. of that. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But and like when you're fertile, you're the most, typically yeah. you're, you have the strongest sex drive and that's biological. Yeah. It's how God created us. And yeah. so like when I see like that, that cervical mucus, mucus you're just like, <laughs> oh baby. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <fertile>. You know. <laughs> Yep, you know it's time. It's yep. like, oh, okay, yeah. this is fine. It's a great way to like part, like work with your body's natural rhythm and libido. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, we are cyclical, and we don't talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. But women are cyclical, and we cycle on a monthly cycle. So yes. we have our low libidos for like a week or two around our period, mm-hmm. unless you're Bethany and you having hot sex on your heavy mm-hmm. day. But that. For most women, I would say, I don't know, we'll have to take another poll because I have a feeling most women are not having sex on their heavy day periods. <laughs> okay. <not> I, <laughs> I also think it's because it's like, I feel like the tension leading up to having like the release of the period, like it's like, ah, okay, it's all coming out. It's like, okay, I don't know. That's a real thing. That is a yes. real thing. I am a bitch right before my period starts. And I don't typically have horrible PMS. I actually have great periods like Mm -hmm. you, like you, like not a lot of cramping, but my husband always knows. He said it's like three days before is like the worst. And I think on my last cycle, I was like 
so upset and angry and like depressed and like everything was wrong. Like one of those, like, I was like, ah, and then the hour, the moment I got my period, I felt like completely different. Yes. It's, (laughs) it's like such a shift in like your personality and your emotions, everything. I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. Like for me, but I do feel like Especially if you're, um, I I don't, I think it's still a thing where like guys are like gross period, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like once they're married, like you kind of get over that hump of like awkwardness. That's what I'm going to tell them. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's like the, get over it. Being able for men, like husbands, to be able to track along with their wives of like, are you in this phase? Or are you about to start your period? Or are you into your follicular? Okay, phase? you're like, gonna laugh at this. My husband what? is the one that tracks my period. Yeah, he has he has an app on his phone. I don't even have an app on my phone. And if I want to know, I just ask him. <laughs> I really need to get my own app, but he knows. And he's like, I "Your period is gonna start in four days." Why? Because he's smart. He's preparing for those dark days when he knows okay. it's coming because we would always argue. So now he knows and yes. he's like, she's, she's about to have a period. Yes. <laughs> she's about to have a period. And in the past, he would ask me that in the middle of an argument and it would piss me off. Mm. You know, you know what I mean? Like Yo, when I you're know. arguing and you Start are right proving your point and you are like, this is how it is. And he's like, you're about to have your period, aren't you? Yeah. And you're just like, stop invalidating my feelings. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. then he just decided I'm going to get an app. So now he's not, he doesn't bring it up in an argument. He knows, oh, she's about to have a period. I'm just going to let her rage. That <laughs> is not a smart it, man. Not take it personally. I'm telling you, like the, when he started doing this, it was actually really helpful because yes. he would know. So he would just like, let it slide off his back. Yeah. And then he might take tell me you're gonna get your period soon I'd be like oh this makes sense that's why that's okay (laughs) this adds up (laughs) or like they're able to cater to you in a certain way during that time of like hey how can I love you how can I show up for you do you need something like do you need a heating pad yeah like there's Mm -hmm. there's more empathy there like built and you feel as like the wife like oh, he cares for me. He really knows me. You know, he's following my cycle. He knows like what I'll be up for or not up for. And there is like a really beautiful connection that's made between like a husband and wife when you can actually like see your wife's cycle and respond to it accordingly. And there, there's a beautiful like love that happens there and Johnny will do it not all the time but like he has done it and I swear to you we are the best when he does do it like mm. when he's fully aware of like where my cycle's at and listens and responds to right. me and to my Rather emotions than having it be like an explosion and then you're like oh that's why I am yeah. I was on my period or before my period yes. you know like it's always been like that realization after the blowout but it's yep. so much more helpful when you realize it before the blowout because then you yes. prevent it <laughs> because we're so different so men run on a, a 24-hour cycle yep. and we run out of around a monthly cycle yeah. so for for men you know why they want to have sex in the morning so often it's because they have a hundred percent energy they're waking up like 
fucking ready to go for the day. And by the end of the day, they're tired. And that's when we want to have sex usually because <laughs> everything's done for the day. I can yeah. get into bed. Like I'm relaxed. Uh-uh. That's it's like total opposites. And I, I truly do believe it's like God's way of showing one another, like how to really respond out of just pure love. It's like, I'm doing this because I purely just love you and want you. And I'm doing this for you because I purely love you and want you. And it's, it is, it takes patience. It takes effort. It doesn't necessarily come easy, but the dynamics of both are so important to bring to the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Our differences make us better and draw us closer, even though they're freaking annoying sometimes. So annoying. (laughs) And so for women, having low libido or feeling like you have a low sex drive could have to do with a lot of underlying things. And it could be as simple as where you're at in your monthly cycle. It could also be hormonal imbalances because libido for women is directly related to the hormones and your monthly cycle. And if there's imbalances there, if you have you know, things like PCOS or endometriosis, or you've got, you know, thyroid issues, I think those could all affect your libido as well. But I will say it's not an excuse. Like there are so many ways to play an active role in your sex life and learn what turns you on and what feels Mm. good and pleasurable. And even like time it with your cycle when you're the most fertile and you have that cervical mucus and you know, okay, let's, what can I do to rev the engine? What can I do to like spice things up or warm myself up? I would say some of the even deeper underlying issues that can contribute to low sex drive in women is emotional wounding, Mm. especially sexual trauma Mm. or abuse or assault and the fear that that creates in the body. It's actually like a trauma response and our bodies hold on to trauma And they have a memory, especially with sexual trauma, having sex or sexual intimacy or intercourse or certain sex acts could really trigger your trauma response in your body. And Mm. you might have a feeling, especially if maybe you don't even remember, or it's like repressed, your body will remember it. And it may have a visceral reaction to have sexual acts. And so that can be a really big factor in dampening sexual desire. If if you have- if you have sexual trauma in your past. So just, I want you to know if that's you, there's nothing wrong with you or with your body. Mm. It has to, there, everything can be healed. Our bodies yeah. are designed to heal. They're, like, I don't believe God makes humans with like the sexual gene button turned off. Like, I don't right. believe he makes you with the switch on off mode, but there right. is a switch and we have to learn how to turn it on and turn it off. And trauma yeah. can certainly get it stuck in that off position. Yeah. But does that mean you're broken? No. Does that mean it you're incapable? Your body is telling you something. Yes. Your body is telling you I'm, I don't feel safe. Right. And that's an important message to learn how to make your body feel safe. That's an yeah. important thing that your partner has to learn how to do, how to make yes. your body feel safe. Because let me tell you, ladies, your body will never lie to you. Yeah. And it's so important to listen to the messages your body is sending you. Mm, And so so good, a lot of in a lot of instances, even if you didn't have sexual trauma or abuse, women who don't feel safe in their relationship, and I don't just mean physically safe, I mean, emotionally safe, safe to open up, safe Mm. to be vulnerable. If you don't feel 
emotionally safe and like you could be your most vulnerable self with your partner, <clears throat> your body's going to know that it's not safe and it's going to, yeah. it's going to shut down. It's going to be cold and closed. And what does that look like? That looks like low libido that mm. feels like no sex drive. Right. It doesn't mean you have a no sex drive. It just means your body doesn't feel safe. You don't feel yes. emotionally safe in your relationship. Yeah. And for women who were in emotionally abusive relationships, like I was, where there was lots of toxic, unhealthy, narcissistic cycles of abuse happening, where there's mm. gaslighting, where there's blame shifting, where there's word salad, there's confusion, there's a lot of accusations and there's conflicts that never get resolved where you yeah. just have circular talk and you're never actually resolving anything and you just end up feeling like the one that always apologizes or the one that has to like you know or maybe you just don't ever work it out and then you live disconnected yeah. all of that emotional conflict and turmoil is really a recipe for no sex drives for yeah. for no no intimacy when there's no emotional intimacy there can be no sexual intimacy right period yeah. uh, i think a lot of women can also um misplace low libido for pain when they feel pain when their husband enters them or when what should be pleasurable feels painful and like we were saying earlier, like your body truly does keep the score. Like your body mm -hmm. is telling you something. Sure. Can things like start a little uncomfortable if you haven't done it a lot, or if it's been a long time, you know, things tighten up. Absolutely. But eventually it should, at least within that session of having sex, start to open up if you're turned on. But if not, that's where you really want to start looking deeper and in the underlying issues of like what Karen was talking about, that sexual trauma, that emotional trauma, things that would close up, make you close mm -hmm. up that can feel like low libido, but yeah. really it's just undealt with trauma. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like having pain in intercourse is a sign is, is a sign of tension in your body. Yeah. And if there's tension there, when you're having sex, it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. So why is your body holding on to tension? It's a sign your body is holding on to fear, anxiety, yeah. trauma. It shows up as tension. It's true in childbirth. Yeah. That's how I yeah. teach women to have pain-free birth. Because if you can have no tension in your body, your body can contract without pain. Right. Same goes for sex. Your pelvic floor is actually one of the most spiritual organs and I think this is fascinating because your pelvic floor holds trauma and tension mm. and it will show up there in your sexual organs. That's where, where it is held for women. And so mm -hmm. any kind of trauma is going to affect your, your pelvic floor. Um, it's going to be tense or tight. It's going to be immovable, which can impact your, your labor and delivery or can impact mm. sex. And it can just impact how you show up as a woman and your energy and how you walk and how you carry yourself. Your pelvic floor really is like the seat of a lot of our emotions. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating how our emotions can impact our bodies and vice versa and how yes. it really the mind body connection is so powerful. You know, you can even have women who, who struggle with um, conditions like vaginismus, where the vagina literally like freezes and closes and it's sex is very painful. And that can cause mm -hmm. a lot of complications. What they've found is in many times that's related to sexual trauma. 
where the vagina literally shuts down and closes down so nothing can get in. It's a reflection. It's just simply like a manifestation of what's going on in your soul. So when your body has symptoms of something, instead of running out and getting a pill, start asking some questions and getting curious and going, what is my Mm. body trying to tell me right now? What is the symptom a reflection of? And if your body is responding a certain way to pursued, to intimacy, to connection, to the, the act of sex, and it has pain or has tension or it has a hard time relaxing and really yeah. opening up and being vulnerable, that's a sign there may be trauma or emotional uh, mm. wounds that need to be healed. And this could be from your yeah. past, from your childhood. It could be in the relationship you have with your partner now. If you yeah. don't feel completely emotionally safe with your partner, it's really hard to open up sexually, allow yourself to let go. Mm. And give yourself in devotion to your partner when you don't believe that they can truly protect you and hold you at that deep level of intimacy. Mm. And that's real. Like there's a lot of couples. There's a lot of women that are in relationships like this to varying degrees. And as someone who has been married to a narcissist for 16 years, I know exactly what that feels like. And my, but my body would start speaking to me and I started listening at first I ignored her for a long time and then I started listening and when she would get tense or tight or that heaviness would show up in my chest or my stomach like we all feel it in different ways it would be like this in my gut almost it would be like this Mm. almost like a contraction like a like a like a tightening and like but Mm. like a heaviness like a oh that something's not right and I would know right then and there it's time to walk away from this conversation because it's not emotionally I don't feel emotionally protected Mm. I don't feel emotionally safe I feel manipulated and my brain wouldn't know that yet but my body always knew first and your body will always know first and will never lie to you and so for for women who may feel like they don't have a sex drive it may have nothing to do with your sex drive or your biology it may have to do with the unsafe emotional relationship you have with your partner yeah. And the fact that you don't feel emotionally safe or that you are seen or loved or that you can be vulnerable with them at this deep mm. level. Wow. Because sexual intimacy begins with emotional safety. Yes. Mm. That's such a good statement. Can you say that one more time? Sexual intimacy begins with emotional safety. So we wanted to make sure that within this podcast, we were able to talk about and give you guys questions to either ask your spouse, you guys ask each other to create a dialogue around this conversation of low libido, no libido. Is it libido? And to be able to know and start to kind of look a little bit beyond the surface of Is it the physical? Like, am I just not attracted to my husband or wife? Am I feeling a certain way about them or about myself? Am I self-conscious? You know, we can ask all of these like self-serving questions, but really like, let's talk to each other. Let's create the conversation around sex, around our libido. So we've put together a list of questions that if you want to, you know, start asking your husband or your wife, these kinds of questions, create a safe space with each other. Like, Hey, I just want to open this conversation up, have honest dialogue and figure out where we land on these things. And you might be surprised where it has you end, you know, it might create a lot more intimacy than 
you expect or questions to things that you didn't even know you needed answers to. And it can really invite some beautiful connection between you and your spouse. So the first question is, and we can put these in the show notes, maybe. Yeah, we'll put them in the, in the um, description of the notes. And then I will actually put a post on Instagram Mm. once this uh, episode releases. So the first question is, how often would you like to be intimate? The second question is, are you more spontaneous or responsive? Which is something that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. The third question is, is there anything getting in the way of us connecting sexually? The fourth is, and this is subjective to if porn has been a part of the relationship or with one or both of the partners. But the fourth question is, is porn masking something on the inside? The fifth question is, what makes you feel loved and valued? The sixth is, what's one sexual desire I can help fulfill? And the seventh is, what turns you on? And what turns you off? And the eighth and final one is what do you want more of or less of in your sex life? (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of times as couples, we don't talk about our sexuality and our sex needs and desires. It's oftentimes shame around it. And we grew up with that shame and we don't even realize that we're bringing that into our relationship with our partner. And so sometimes we don't have these conversations. We just think we're just supposed to do it and it's supposed to work out. We all know it's not that easy. And sometimes we have to have the hard conversations. And I just encourage you to listen women with open ears and really listen without reacting. Listen to what is There might be anger, there might be frustration at the surface for either of you, but I want you to listen to the deeper need below. I would really encourage you to send these questions to your husband before you even get together. So he has some time to marinate because men have something called like a knee jerk no, where they might see like, what is she, what is she trying to do here? Like, I don't want to sit down and answer all these questions. I'm not in school, you know, so give them a little bit of time to digest, like what you are looking for out of the conversation of like, Hey, on our next date night, I'd love to go over these questions. Would you mind reading these and kind of just briefly answering them for yourself and putting a little bit of time into it because I really want to be intentional about this when we talk about it because you might end up getting some really surface level questions or even like funny responses because they might be uncomfortable with the topic of conversation and they're like oh I don't know if I want to answer this or I'm just going to make a joke out of this when you're Mm. looking for like depth and intimacy, they might feel a little more guarded. This might be a good opportunity for if you want to have this conversation, if you want to ask these questions with deep intention from your partner, especially from your husband, send it to them a little bit earlier. Write it it down, write down your answers ahead of time and write down, have him write down his answers and then come together and share. I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. So we're so excited for you guys to explore this. We want to hear what you guys got from the conversations with your partners. We want to know like, 
did you find out some things about yourself that you didn't realize or about your relationship you didn't realize? We're just so excited to, for you guys to be able to dive in deeper beyond the surface of just hot, horny sex and go deeper into the intimate parts of yourself, your partner. And we look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Her Sacred Sexuality Podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts and takeaways. Connect with us on Instagram at Her Sacred Sexuality. Take 60 seconds to share this episode with your besties and leave us a five-star review. That's the best compliment you could give us.